baby. Welcome to the Pouring Into Me podcast. I am Danielle Beal, an artist. I create with my words, qualified mental health professional, licensed minister, and certified life coach. Dear future husband, where you at? Ugh. Anyways, your wife is over the hot girl summer. I'm ready to settle down. The streets ain't for me anymore. (laughs) Honestly, the streets never been for me. But in the past, I settled for it. Since I didn't know if what I truly desired was attainable. I've been growing, babe. I'm evolving. And I know that you are too, because that has been my prayer. I pray for you all the time, for your protection over your mind and mental health. Anyways, I can't wait to go grocery shopping with you, to have the best time doing absolutely nothing. I look forward to encouraging your autonomy, to kissing you before a weekend getaway with your boys, and reassuring you that home will be just fine. I look forward to cuddling with you even when it's hot, to putting my cold feet on your back. I look forward to laughing so hard at sharing jokes that our stomachs hurt. I mean, your wife is a comedian for real, period. Get ready to kiki with me for the rest of your life. On the difficult days, when you get home from work and feel depleted, I look forward to pouring back into you and affirming how amazing you are, not only to the world, but your very existence and how amazing you are to me. Oh, black man, black man, I look forward to holding your hand as we journey through life together. I look forward to us just kicking it and the silence being intimate. I look forward to your encouragement, to you being my safe place, as I am your sacred space. I can't wait to hear you go on and on and on about your passions. Oh yeah, be prepared for themed dinner nights, date nights in, being celebrated, being loved from the depths of my soul and random twerks. Oh yeah, bae, you're signing up to be a lifetime photographer. I need pictures everywhere I go. (laughs) Sincerely, your wife. Hurry up. Welcome to episode four. As you can tell from the introduction, this episode is about singleness. But hold up. I'm not giving steps about singleness or how to prepare for a spouse, none of that. I'm simply sharing my journey in hopes that you may be liberated or can glean from it. And so one time I was asked to help lead a singles ministry that one of my colleagues was creating. And I was like, girl, no, thank you. I'm not interested. That's not my ministry. God did not call me to that ministry. Okay, so I didn't say all of that, but I definitely thought it. Um, You know, my response to her was more so like, thank you so much for thinking of me, but I'm not interested. Um, You know, something like that. You feel me? Okay, okay, okay. And so one thing about it, I knew that as soon as my relationship status changed, 
I would have been like, all right, y'all be easy. And I don't know how single ministries operate because I've never been a part of one in any capacity. I can only assume that they pretty much focus on self-love, personal development, or perhaps preparing for a spouse. Um, Again, I have no idea. These are straight assumptions. So be easy on me, okay? I think it's interesting that society often shames women who desire romantic love. There's this ideal that if a woman desires romantic love, then she must lack self-love. Or the super saints or super churchy folks may say, there must be a void that you're just not letting Jesus feel. And my question is, what is wrong with a woman who acknowledges that she desires romantic love? Why can't that desire be expressed without being met with a to-do list of things that she should do? Like focus on yourself, focus on your passions, grow your relationship with God, take yourself out on a date. And I believe that when a woman acknowledges that she wants romantic love, that statement should receive affirmation and gentleness too, instead of judgment. And I believe that when women receive that response automatically, like it implies so many different things. It implies that this woman is not self-aware. It implies that this woman does not love herself. It implies that the woman is not already dating herself, that she does not have a healthy ongoing relationship with God and Jesus. You know, it implies so many different things about who she is. And it's like, you can be a whole individual and desire to be loved deeply by someone. A woman's desire for romantic love does not mean that there is a deficit within her. At this stage in my life, y'all, I am not ashamed to admit that I know what I desire, okay? And so shout out to the women who are happily single. I believe multiple things can coexist, like you can be happily single and desire romantic love, and you can be happily single and not desire romantic love, but I'll get to that later. But as for me, I am happy, period. I am single, period. I am satisfied, period. They are independent statements. They stand alone. It's not a clause. And so I don't use that word choice together, like happily single. Nah, it's it's not my thing. You know, it's just not my thing. And my joy is not contingent upon my relationship status. So I do want to be clear about that. Um, But there are moments when I am not content being single because I desire a life partner. Like, girl, I want a man. And while it does not consume my focus, um, there are definitely days when I think about it or I look at um, my vision board. I look at the things that I wrote down and I'm like, baby, where you at? If you are feeling shame for desiring romantic love, just know that that is not a feeling that is associated with God's character. Um, There is nothing wrong with desiring romantic love. Um, It's absolutely normal. And I do believe that it's something that we need to normalize. And so if the people that you are connected to make you feel shameful for desiring romantic love, then, you know, it may be a great time to explore those connections or explore the information that you share. Because some things should only be shared with those trusted persons that can hold um, the things that you share. And so owning what you want is liberating. And I really wish that more women 
gave themselves permission to admit that truth, that they desire romantic love. Like there's nothing wrong with wanting to do life with someone. And of course, not just anyone, but your person. I'm the person that God created just for you, carved out just for you. And y'all songs keep popping in my head like all this podcast episode. And so I'm thinking about the Neo and Fabulous song. And it said, I'm a movement by myself, but I'm a force when we're together. Baby, I'm good all by myself, but you, you make me better. And I believe that the song just speaks to the power in relationships. Like you add value to me, I add value to you. It's not from a, a deficit. Getting engaged is like getting, uh, it's the first hill of the roller coaster. And you hear those clicks, the loud sound, it's really violent, metal, chunk, 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 and you go, what, what's going on here, you know? Boy, this thing really, really goes high. <laughs> and then you go over the top, the wedding is at the top. You go over the top, it's the wedding, and then you just scream it. <laughs> You never think you're really ready for marriage. No, it's it's like uh, any growth. You're not. You can't be ready for it because that's it's growth. It's going to be new. It's going to be new. You're going to have a new life. You're going to be a new person. When people speak about preparation, the context typically is like that you can't be a work in progress and have healthy love come your way, and so we will never be a hundred percent ready. And at some point, we can only tailor our love to our person when they arrive. And so we will have to embrace the unknown and the journey together. You know, it's only so much that you can do to prepare. You know what I'm saying? Um, And so you're never truly 100% prepared for your person until you both make the decision to walk this thing out. I embrace healing while simultaneously appreciating where I am. Like, it is a walk together. Like, I'm walking out my healing as I'm walking out being at the same time. If you wait until you're 100% ready to do something, you probably would never take the step. And too often, we see ourselves through distorted lenses. We see our blemishes. We see this. We see that. And we equate that with unworthiness. But it's like, no, we all are flawed. No one is perfect. Um, we all have things about us that can that can we can continue to work on, and I believe that's a part of evolution and growth. And I just don't believe there's a formula. Like so many people have so many steps to finding your spouse or to all of that stuff. And I just don't believe that there's a cookie cutter approach. We're all different. We all bring our own experiences. There's no one size fits all. I saw a post on social media that said. How you spend your time and handle yourself during singleness defines how great of a wife you'll be. And I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God. No, but I'm like, I don't agree. Like, I see where y'all be coming from, but I be coming from somewhere else. Because it's like, when you are single, you are just that single. You can do whatever you want, and that's the beauty of singleness. And what a woman decides to do during a season of singleness does not define her ability to be a great wife, nor her value as a woman. 
And there's no difference between the woman who decides to go out and live out her singleness differently than the woman who decides to stay in the house. And it's so crazy to me because, like, we know double standards are real, right? That we can't be oblivious to that. It's all up in our faces every single day. And so men are often praised for having multiple women testing the waters during singleness. Honestly, just doing whatever they want, whenever they want. Interesting that if women do the same thing, we receive labels, right? Why are women expected to be homebodies during their seasons of singleness? At home, preparing, being Molly to maid. Like, I just, I don't understand. And sometimes I see women even post things like, it's Friday night and I'm in the house, like, wife material. And it's like, okay, okay, girl. Because at the end of the day, I just believe that as women, we should honor ourselves, however that looks to us. While I'm not saying um, go out here and live recklessly or carelessly or go out here and act bad, <laughs> real bad, I am saying to be authentic to yourself. Um, if you desire to go out and going out is not specific or exclusive to the club, then do that. And if it is the club, that's your business. And if you decide to stay in the house, that's cool too. And even if you decide to do a combination of those, that's okay. Just know that your value as a woman does not decrease because you decide to go out and live out your singleness. Like that is okay. I, you know, that's, that's my thing. Like that's okay. And again, it's being authentic to yourself. Just make sure that whatever you're deciding is authentic to you. It's not on, you're not making decisions that are grounded in people pleasing or to make yourself more desirable. If you have to shrink or suppress any parts of yourself to be desirable by a person, then why do you even wanna be desired by them anyway? They should want you for you. Live your life. The people who get it, get it. And the person for you will get it too. There was a time when I literally, you know, would always say, I just wanna get married and have children. But I was like, okay, now that I am actually discovering this part of myself that like what I want matters and to actually be honest with myself, I was like, okay, well, do I actually want to have children and do I truly desire to be a wife? Or is that something that a belief that I picked up from society? And so uh, Tracy Ellis Ross said something so profound to me in her interview with Oprah. And she said, I, like many of us, were taught to grow up dreaming of my wedding and not of my life. And also waiting to be chosen. Well, here's the thing. I am the chooser and I can choose to get married if I want to. But in the meantime, I am choicefully single. End quote. And so I just believe that it's so important for us as women to explore like what we truly desire, to actually see ourselves fully, um, and to make decisions that are authentic to ourselves, not based on societal expectations or decisions that are rooted in people-pleasing. Um, because there are many women who live and lead happy, healthy, and whole lives who are not married and do not have children. And so for me, I just don't believe that womanhood is defined in terms of having children or due to a woman's marital status. 
Um, and it's like, just think about those who struggle with infertility. They're not less of a woman because they struggle with infertility. And so, again, just seeing womanhood as not being limited to your ability to procreate, um, nor your desire to be married or not to be, so marital status. I just think that it is important for us as women to embark on the journey of self-discovery and coming home to ourselves. And so the self that existed before the pain, life experiences, before all of those things um, distorted our view and our perception of our true self. And so it's looking at our core. And, you know, when I went through that process of pruning and self-discovery, it just showed me so much about myself. And I was like, okay, well, I've come to the realization, like I do decide to get married. And it's like, um, I feel good that I actually went through that process to explore, to see what I truly desire. Because now I know that it's a decision that is authentic to me. Um, it's not based on anyone else. And so in this moment, y'all, I'm thinking about Janie Mai Jenkins. She's the one who is, she was one of the hosts from The Real, um, who is married to rapper Jeezy, the snowman. Look, I love me some Jeezy. Um, but when she was with her ex-husband, she always expressed on the show that she did not desire children. And who knows the multiple layers as to why, but I do remember her pointing out you know, once she got divorced, that she was unhappy in her marriage. So clearly that was a factor, right? She probably felt in her spirit that it was not going to be forever. Um, and so anyways, once she got married to Jeezy and she's experiencing this love in a new way, um, reciprocal and mutual love, it's like her desire changed. And so what I love about that is that she did not hold herself hostage to what she spoke years before. And she gave herself permission to change her mind, to grow, to evolve, and to desire something different. And so now she is walking out motherhood and she loves it. And so I said all of that to say, like, give yourself permission to shift or pivot or start over at any given moment. Like if you say you do or do not desire something right now and maybe years later it changes, that's okay. Like give yourself permission to grow. You're not locked into something that you said five years ago. Like you have the ability to change and to desire something new and different. My self-discovery journey and process of pruning is ongoing. Like I'm learning so much about myself each day. There are moments when I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I used to say some of those things or that I held that belief, but also giving myself a grace for where I was, right? Because certain experiences and perspectives at certain times in my life affected how I saw life or how I saw myself. And so just giving myself that space to say, okay, you have more knowledge and more understanding at this phase in your life. And so you are able to shift and change at any given moment. And so again, I embrace the journey as ongoing. Getting to know myself and giving myself permission to shift and change, allow myself to explore. And yeah, it's pretty dope. You feel me? As I close this podcast episode out, a couple of things come to mind, but you know, I'm trying to keep it cute, trying to keep it cute and short or whatever, trying to wrap this thing up. Um, but I think about a time when I connected with an old colleague. We went on a couple dates before, back when we were in graduate school, 
However, you know, we just stop hanging out. Um, I think it's that thing that don't even need to be said. You know, like when you and somebody not on the same page and he was actually very clear about what he wanted and I was clear about what I wanted at that time too. He wanted a relationship. I was not ready yet. And it, I don't know if it was more so the idea that I was not ready or just that I did not see one with him. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes people be like, they're not ready for a relationship. But truth is, they not ready. They don't want to be in the relationship with that person. And I don't say that to um, down him or denigrate him in any way. Because I think he is a phenomenal person. But even at that time, I was like, I don't think that we are aligned with each other. You know, amazing heads on our shoulders, but just as far as alignment with each other. But anyway, so we reconnected last year. We went out to brunch and he's a social worker. And so I did not expect the conversation to be as refreshing as it was. And I said, I'm realizing that sitting down with him, I needed this. It was like he opened my perspectives in many ways as it related to love. And so we talked about what does that point of reference look like? Like, what is your definition of love? And so we hashed through so many different things. And it was there with him that I realized I had a couple of distorted perspectives about love. And of course, sometimes you may not you may not know fully what it's going to look like, right? We can't predict what love will look like. We can't be so closed in to a box or a list that we're not open. However, there, in some ways, we should have some type of point of reference, right? Um, and that does not mean that we cannot experience the fullness of it. And so he really challenged me to write down what love means to me. Of course, not in that moment, but it was kind of like some homework in a way. For him, 1 Corinthians, I'm not sure the exact verse, but it's the scripture on love and it's love is patient, love is kind. That for him is what he said was foundational. It is his point of reference as it relates to love. And so for me, what I did over the weeks after we connected, I wrote down what love is to me and how I would know if it came. And so I wrote down love is peace, love is freedom, love is safety. You know, so that way, like, I'll know, like, I feel safe, like, I feel free to be, you know, it's no micromanaging of the relationship or trying to control, you know what I'm saying? So it's like love is freedom. And so I wrote those things out. And so at first, when he and I were at brunch, I said to him, love is work, love is hard. And he said, well, love doesn't have to be hard. And just because it's work, it does not mean that, you know, the work, it should be difficult. It should be abuse. It should be, you know, it was so many different layers in the way that he broke it down. And he said, just the way that we often word how marriage is work or love is work, it adds a negative connotation to the experience. And so we kind of like, again, once, once again, like it was a really, really thought provoking conversation. And so that's something that I want to drop on you. And so if you are single, if you are desiring, you know, your spouse, there is nothing wrong with writing down what love means to you or what it may look like when it shows up. And of course we know love is action. Like love is an action word. It's a verb. It's an action word. And so knowing what that looks like and what that feels like and how sometimes many of us equate love to certain situations that we saw. And so just kind of think about when was that first example of love that you saw, reciprocal, mutual love? 
where both persons truly loved each other deeply? And how was that love shown? Do you have any examples? Who are the examples that you look to and why? Um, you know, did you have any previous relationships that you thought you were fully in love? What, how did that love show up? Because love is an abuse. Love is a manipulation, you know? And so kind of hashing through some of those things that may be ingrained in your mind about your perceptions of love. And so just be open to the experience. And I know um, Devon Franklin and Making Good, they had a book called The Weight many years ago. And I believe in that book, Devon Franklin said, get rid of your list. And it's like, okay, we see why you said that. Because you, you, he ended up saying in some interviews, he compromised some things because it was made good. Like, come on now. He's like, shoot, she fine. Forget this list. But I don't want to encourage you to get rid of your list if you have one. Because I have one. And I believe that it, there's power in transcription. And there is nothing wrong with you being specific about what you desire and having that point of reference. You know, what are those non-negotiables? What are those things you're willing to compromise on? What are those things that aren't really a big deal, but it's just something that you desire? You know, it's it's a preference, but it's not something that is non-negotiable. There are so many conversations about submission, honestly, that are centered around gender roles. But regardless of the conversations, I believe that it's important for you to decide what you desire. I believe that for me, that me and my partner, we will submit to one another, right? We will lean into each other's strengths and weaknesses and that we will be purpose partners, that we will fulfill God's purpose for our lives individually and collectively, like together. So that conversation with the colleague, it just made me realize the importance of having the same core values, like is honesty important to you like it is to me? Um, you know, how do you view spirituality? You know, you know, those are things that are important. And for me, I'm like, I know a part of my purpose and I just can't be connected to anybody um, because I know what I carry is heavy. Right. And so what you carry may be heavy. And when I speak of the heaviness, I'm talking about I know where God is taking me in certain areas of my life. And it's like, I need somebody who's able to walk alongside me on the journey and pour into me, you know, as I'm pouring out. And, you know, we're loving on each other in the process. And so, again, it's about figuring out what's best for you, what works for you and your person when you meet that person. But also kind of having some ideas of, you know, what you desire. I believe that's important, too. Um, but, yeah, y'all, thank you so much for tuning in to episode four. I want you to know, Black woman, Black woman, that you are worthy of love. You are worthy of receiving what you never had. Um, there is nothing wrong with desiring romantic love. You are worthy of that. And if that is something that you desire, take it to God. Um, because God is able to do anything. And so, yeah. If you want it, uh, if you need it, uh, if you want it. But thanks, y'all. Share this with a friend or whatever. I appreciate you, sis. Holla.